welcome to the Mix in the Six podcast. I'm your host, Gina Marie, and thank you for tuning in to hear stories from the Mix community in Toronto and beyond. This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples covered by Treaty 13. This space is all about sharing our stories, building community, and learning from one another and having fun. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so beyond excited to have Davis, multidisciplinary artist and the creator of Mixed Up, the documentary, amazing, brilliant film. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Gina. That means so much to me. <laughs> so my introduction to you is multidisciplinary artist and the creator of Mixed Up Film. But why don't you kind of share a little bit more about who you are and the kind of work that you do? Because you just do so much. I do. Yeah. It's funny, the word multidisciplinary. I sort of have a, there's an interesting relationship with that word and interdisciplinary. Mm. The fact that I do many things, but I'm starting to see this intersection of all of those things in the work that I do. And it's interesting. Yes, I'm mixed heritage, but I also do mixed media. And that includes performance and filmmaking and design and photography. And now I'm just 30 years old. And now I'm starting to see this sort of the meeting of all of those mediums. And uh, so that's really, you know, what I do. I like to blur theater and film and photography and art into work that speaks to advocacy. Yeah. And I, this film felt like really the culmination of all of those things meeting, which is so exciting that, you know, that we get to share this space with other mixed people too. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Actually, you brought that up about sort of your mixed heritage and then also your sort of beautiful blend of all the things that you do, all the different art forms. And so there's a really beautiful quote from the film by Tentu Cardinal. And she said, the greatest gift of being mixed, she spoke to the greatest gift of being mixed is you are allowed to have a creative mind because you're born a mix. I just love that. It was so simple and straight to the point. And I had a question for you just to kind of start us off is, was there a point in your life or a moment where you recognize that the many different art mediums that you create also like reflected the diversity inside of yourself? Did that like always something you knew or did that kind of come at a certain point either recently or in the past? I love that question. I think that's the (laughs) first time anyone's asked that in such a simple way. I do remember distinctly in high school, actually in grade 12, I was in art class, art AP. And I remember a teacher going, oh, you can't go to theater. And I had an offer to go to Emily Carr, actually, to study, you know, art. And I was like, I remember at that time feeling this pressure to choose. And I just sort of went, no, I don't want to do that. But I had an amazing discussion with someone who'd gone through Emily Carr and they actually said, you know, going to art school, they lost their love of it. Mm by going to learn about the theology of and the principles of art. So I sort of steered clear from that and went into theater. But I guess in answer to your question, there's always been this innate desire to be just artistic. And that form, really formatively, I thought it would be to just strictly perform, but it's since changed and morphed to being all manner of art. So it's really, I don't even know if I answered your question, but... 
in a way, yeah, it's cumulative, right? Yeah. Like all of these experiences inside of us and outside of us that define us, who we are in that moment. But that can change every other day. Like there were moments where I was like, oh, I want to be a magician. I remember. <laughs> I think that was the biggest deviation <laughs> from being a performer, but it's still performing in a way. And, you know, I realize now that desire to do magic was that power of transformation that we can change and be something different. So, yeah. It's very much like having a mixed identity. It's always like morphing and changing and growing with us, like the way that you express yourself through your art, which is right. We're going to get in there. I also, I want to talk about how your identities have morphed and changed over time. But first, I want to ask you just about your name, Howie, because when we had a very quick phone call before we have set the date for this interview, you mentioned that your given name is Howard, but you go by are also known as Howie spelled H-A-U-I. Could you tell me a little bit more about why that is and where that came from? Sure. Yeah. I had a really funny experience with a neighbor of mine. Her daughter was watching Moana and she had said, oh, you look like Maui in Moana. And I was like, um, okay, <laughs> I don't know. I don't see it, you know, with the tattoos and the long hair, but I get it. Cause you know, that sort of Pacific Islander build, I'm a big guy. And so I sort of went, Oh, Maui, Howie, I like how this goes. And then there was something to the acronym of hybrid artist, unique impresario. I loved that. Yeah. That was a way of sort of redefining my name of having a name that was gender neutral that was ambiguous racially and it's just been sticking and I sort of you know <laughs> a little selfish part of me was like oh I want to be like Adele yeah like, <laughs> just Howie <laughs> yeah yeah which yeah. you know you or share like you just you why not or Prince so right totally so it's sticking with people now which I sort of like yeah. Just say it again. The H-A-U-I. What does it stand for again? Well, today, I'm sure it will change. <laughs> but the acronym for me was Hybrid Artist Unique Impresario. And Impresario was actually something I stumbled upon in theater history. And um, Diaghilev, who created the Ballet Russe in Russia, he was an impresario. And it's basically, it's an incredible title of artistic direction, of producing, you know, the people that bring money to arts I was like oh that would be a really dope job to like be an AD one day and have a company so you know right now I want to do the art but eventually you know I'd love to do that what he was like he introduced ballet to North America which is huge Right. <laughs> I love the genesis of the name and just how it works out so beautifully. I remember I wanted to make sure I asked about, <laughs> about that. We will dive into the film. I also do just want to recognize that you grew up both in Canada and in UK, which is different, similar. But also, I just was curious, like, you know, growing up in both countries or in two different continents, like, could you share about how like your mixed identity and also your like queer identity had evolved, changed or felt different when navigating between those two places? Mm, that's a good question, because in some ways I feel like moving from a country where, you know, people who are indigenous to the UK or Saxon, like that sort of world and yeah. people indigenous to Canada, you know, indigenous First Nations of mm -hmm. Canada. And um, so... Already, I think there's been a, a big shift in my brain of recognizing that part of me is indigenous to the UK. Yeah. 
and I'm a settler here, mm-hmm. but then is also, you know, learning about my family's history with Arawak and being indigenous to South America. I go, oh, whoa, I'm sort of <laughs> this big shift in your psychology when you start to read about your own history. And I've really sort of seen in myself this decolonizing of myself, which is ongoing. It's not like I'm woke by any means. I've got a lot to learn still, but it's been England. I sort of, I think if I were still there now, I might have just passed and gotten on with it. Mm -hmm. But here, I think it's been a really healthy relationship to looking inward and asking really difficult questions of myself to understand what my queerness means, what my mixedness means. And in some ways, as you see in the film, like I've conflated the two. I can't not. They're so interrelated. Yeah, the film. Let's just get into the film. I've already seen it two and a half times and I feel like I could watch it over and over again and learn something new about you, but also about myself. And so I felt really honored to be given a glimpse into your experience. And then also, you know, it's brilliant. It's moving. It was like creatively diverse. And it was just so it was just so fucking real. Like you went in and you went deep with the questions around your own identity and then bringing in other like cast members to share their experiences. And it was so full and complete. And then at the same time, like just I felt like as the someone watching it also was left with like lots of questions about like, okay, well, let's ask myself more around my identity and what have I not looked at and excavated. So I just, you know, I just appreciate that so much. And I really appreciate how much you shared about your own life. And in addition to bringing in so much like mixed race history, although also highlighting that there is so much more history that needs to be written going forward, because there really isn't a whole lot. And then the pieces around like racism in theater and the media and the film, oh, To wrap up my little monologue here, (laughs) it felt to me that I was watching a documentary, a diary entry, and it was like visually just delightful and it was poetic. Like it was just really amazing. Yeah. That is the nicest endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) The nicest endorsement I've had on the film. Thank you so much. It's something I guess the more I think about the reason for doing this piece of like if one mixed person can watch my experience and glean a little more perspective on their own, I feel like I've done my job. Yeah. You know, because in some ways I have watched the other documentaries that explore the mixed experience and I felt like they didn't quite penetrate exactly where I wanted to go. And we know, like I said, right at the beginning of the film, I say, we need to forgo our tendency to avoid subjects that make us uncomfortable, but rather like face them head on. And I just go, I have to do that. If my purpose on this planet is to, you know, understand myself through my art That's what I've got to do. And in some ways, I know you and I don't have the same genetic makeup. We're from different backgrounds, but I feel like we immediately, our existence completely breaks down the very idea that makes to be mixed as a binary experience. It's not. Yeah. You know, like my blackness and my whiteness is no internal hierarchy. Maybe there is a bit now, like I actually like my blackness more. Yeah. 
And I don't know, like, how do you feel about that? About my identity changing or? Well, like, I guess, you know, internally, do you feel like when Gina walks in a room, mm. one, like your, I don't actually know, I can't remember your mix. Yeah, exactly. so I know I'm Filipino and Canadian, which I know you bring up the film. It's like, what is Canadian really? But my dad identifies as Canadian. He's white, adopted by a white family and his ancestry is uh, Welsh and French. And actually wow. for all people who who haven't, uh, who don't know you and haven't watched the film, can you share what your mix is as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, my, on my father's side, there is a lot. There is Welsh, Swedish, oh. uh, Cuban, Jamaican, some Arawak in there yeah. on the matrilineal side. And then my mother was adopted. So we're still finding stuff out about her, but she is British, British. and French. The majority. It's a lot, but yeah. I, I guess I'm curious. We're yeah. going to switch roles now yeah. for a second. Yeah. Like, do you feel like your Filipino side walks into a room first? I love that you're asking me this question because I feel like I've touched on it on the podcast before, but I feel like I had been, never been asked it um, in that way. So growing up, I felt like my Filipino-ness, my Asian-ness, like that was just like, that entered the room before I did. It was something that was just already a part of me. It's what everybody's seen. And it was often what I wished I could actually hide because, and I could just blend in more because I grew up in a really white dominated environment. And I was often made to feel that that being different was not good, was not great. And so growing up, I felt like it did. As I got older, I felt like I was just that sort of mysterious. Like I got the like, you're so exotic. Like, what are you? You know, which what are you is a big question. And I was in the film, What Are You? by Richard B. Pierre. It's a great film where we explored that question and more depth. And as I've gotten older and now I feel like when I walk into a room, I am walking into the room as Gina and I don't really give a flying fuck what people think about me because I'm also ready and prepared to like get into it if people ask. I used to actually walk into rooms and I kind of wonder like how are people perceiving me and feeling a little insecure and uneasy about it depending on what room I was in. And now I don't know if this is answering your question, but now I do feel like I walk in and I'm like, I am mixed. Hear me roar. If you get it, that's cool. If not, like, you know, we can talk about it or we can just not talk about it. Right. I know this. I feel like this is all related somehow, but it's this interesting relationship I've had with walking in a room and people see something. And then when I explain it, it's that classic sort of rescinding of, oh, but you don't look back. Yes. Oh, but... And I go, well, clearly you saw something and it's sort of amplified in the film and TV industry because, mm -hmm. you know, you, it's film especially represents, you have to sort of be pigeonholed to represent mm -hmm. yourself or your culture or whatever that may be. And I walk into a room and people sort of, I see them go, oh, what do we do? Rather than embrace the ambiguity, like that's what I'm hoping our industry can move to is going, oh, whatever. Like you can be an alien, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just be ourselves. I wanted to ask you actually, because you talk about this in the film and as well as some of the, the cast members of the film as well. I'm going to just quote. So a positivity of being mixed gets overwhelmed by conversations of being a person being diluted. And I remember that, like, I had to like listen to that over and over again, because I, I know for 
you know, my experience is different than for mixed Black folks, but I also felt, and I also just really appreciate that you want people to glean their own experience from your film too. No matter if they have the same mix as you or not, it's, you know, if you can just feel something and get something and that's incredible. And I know for me, that's something that hit me because I felt like as I grew up as a, a mixed race person, it was like when people would comment on my beauty, they were often commenting on the features about me that were closer to my white side. Of course. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, you spoke about this in the film and, you know, for mixed black folks who in particular, who are say like white passing or like have present with white features, it can be a really strange experience being complimented for those things while also like navigating blackness and, you know, having their own experiences in, in that way, in that space. I'm curious, like, how have you navigated these conversations over the years? I think the biggest one, and and it is something, as you say, I touch them in the film, are my eyes, you yeah. know, and, and people often say the eyes are the windows to the soul. They're so important because they're how we see the world, they're how we perceive others, how we perceive ourselves. And I feel like it's a touchy area because people will say, oh, you have very beautiful eyes. And if I were to jump back at them and go, how dare you compliment my white side? <laughs> you know, I'd sound like a very strange person. Let's call it that. Yeah. But yeah, give me a compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a, I guess the more I've heard that and the more I've internalized that, I've realized why is it that people are complimenting the part of me that is you know, distinctly identified to whiteness? What about my nose? What about my lips? What about, you know, my bum? Everything I love about myself and people go, oh, your eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, some people listening to this might think I'm overthinking it, but it makes you really reflect when you go, like, how do we navigate those moments when people will compliment? Like, you are so beautiful, Gina. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't mean to sound inappropriate by saying that. We are but- so gorgeous. <laughs> 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 we just have to be so mindful of the way we, even what you were saying before, the whole question of what are you like? Yeah. Where do we rephrase that to make it from a place of curiosity rather than a place of, you know, negativity in yeah. a way? Yeah. I know. I wish I had like an answer for that besides like just bringing that mindfulness and like knowing when there's a moment to maybe educate someone and then just just a genuine compliment to receive. Right. I have had, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to tell a story. Okay. I'm telling a little bit of a story <laughs> going off a little bit of a thing. So my sister has hazel eyes and I have brown eyes. My dad has hazel eyes. And I remember I was at a club, like when we could go to clubs a million years ago. And there was a guy who I guess remembers meeting my sister at another event. And he was like, oh, hey, I remember you. Yeah, yeah. You girls are like, you and your sister are mixed Filipino. It's like, yeah, you're beautiful. But your sister is more beautiful. She's got the one, she's the one with the hazel eyes. Like this was a legit like comment that someone made. And of course it was said a little bit differently, but that was what he said. And I was like, I I wasn't even, it wasn't even that like, you know what? I mean, yes, my sister is absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And she has beautiful eyes and her eyes are beautiful. My dad is beautiful. Everything's beautiful. Like they should totally be giving, get and receive the love that, you know, they get. But I was like, how dare you say that? Like, I was like, who 
where was that ever like <laughs> why is that even allowed why is that even allowed <laughs> you know what i mean to like say that right. yeah and i don't know if it's, <laughs> it was really confronting and oh my god yeah that, like there was a boundary crossing and then it was also like racist and like misogynistic <laughs> like right. I really need to hear what I, you think about how you define beauty and then how you're comparing me to my sister who has light eyes and i have dark right. eyes. So i was just like okay Thanks. So that actually, I did get a little in his face. I tried to teach him a lesson. It didn't go anywhere because obviously he's right. not a smart person. But I feel like that just totally speaks to our internal biases. Like I know, and I hope my eldest sister is okay with me sharing this because, mm-hmm. you know, as you've seen, they're both in the film. Yeah. And to see them side by side, I know when they went to Italy together, Helen, my eldest sister, yeah. um, was telling me that men were, she could see they were very, they were more attracted to my sister Catherine because she is more white passing. Yeah. And I just go, oh my God, like, uh, it frustrates me so much because I find them so beautiful souls and women and they're so different. And I can't, you know, I can't compartmentalize them the way other men do because A, I'm their brother and that's just weird. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I'm confounded that Mm-hmm. we that's just like I was saying that's the internal sort of bias that we have to Eurocentric ideas of beauty and yeah. that for me I'm like I'm not into that and actually it's because we're talking about family I really so so appreciated how much I was able to get a glimpse into your like childhood through home videos and seeing your sisters and you as like children and seeing it was just really awesome to see a mixed family and like their home videos from you know the 80s and 90s it was just it was something that 80s I'm not that old oh yeah sorry sorry (laughs) well I know one of your sisters was born in 1987 so yeah Okay. <laughs> that is true. Okay. Well, I was born in 1980 something. <laughs> so it's totally okay, everybody. But yeah, I just loved seeing that. And I just, it was so heartening. And, you know, you did also interview other members of your family as well. And I really loved the juxtaposition of having like the split screens of seeing and, and like that, you know, what, like you were saying, your sister is side by side on the screen and seeing how they look similar, but also different. And yeah, it was just a really interesting way of getting their stories and getting their perspectives. Now, one of my questions was, or one of the things I wanted to mention is, is your, both your sisters and you all identify in different ways. And I wanted to know if you could speak to that because it feels like it's something of a phenomenon that like only mixed families experience that within the same like bloodline that people would identify differently. So if you could speak to that, but also I wanted to know, was that a conversation, like how differently each of you identify? Was that a conversation you had previously or was that only can came through from doing the film? It's interesting that you say that because even coming through this process, myself personally, I have always said mixed, Mm -hmm. but I would go as far now to like, I want to claim my blackness more, you know, without obviously tokenizing that in any way, shape or form. But to your point about me and my siblings, I think part of that is cultural, Mm -hmm. really. Like my eldest sister, she lives in the States now. She is an activist, like just through and through. And my other sister, you know, she's very influenced from our European side. And I had to, in the process, really be subjective to go, that's okay. That's okay for her to be connected to that, to sort of not have my judgment in that at all, because clearly we were born there. You know, it's been a huge influence on me and my art making even. So, um, 
what I find so interesting in showing all of us and the different ways that we do identify, it really breaks this idea that we have that to be mixed is on this binary. Like we can completely shatter that idea because it's not that way at all. Yeah. So cool. And did you and your sisters talk about how you identified before the film or? Not really. It's not like we sat down and we're like, how do you identify? Like, it's just, <laughs> I think it's just, yeah, it's just sort of been, I feel like, you know, rather than the binary, we're this spectrum of mm-hmm. mixed. And I do know, you know, my one has a strong affinity to her. You know, it's interesting in the film, she doesn't say white. And I feel like that's our ancestors going, don't you dare be saying that now. Like, don't, don't you <laughs> dare do that. She, in the film, she says, you know, I'm more European. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- and interestingly enough, you know, it's Zadie Smith actually says it. You know, if you go to New York City and Times Square and close your eyes, you hear all of these different accents. It's very diverse, but you hear everyone from around the world. You go to like Piccadilly, close your eyes, you hear British people. And so there's this interesting, I can't, I wish I could speak more eloquently to it, but there's an interesting thing about England. It is really diverse. Mm-hmm. It always has been as long as I can remember. So I have this, when I hear Katie speak in the film about, you know, her experience of our family's always been mixed. It's never been a, like, we're not a hot topic or an issue. It's just, it was what it was. But I also recognize for her that that's an ongoing process, just like it is for me. And I hope that she would, you know, do her own mixed film. Yeah. To sort of do that journey of figuring out who she is because it's ongoing. You know, it's not like you're 20 years old, you know exactly who you are. I think that's going to be ongoing for each of us. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I think it was your sister, Catherine, who identifies more as like sort of European in, in English when she she began to become quite emotional talking about what she was learning about her mixed identity. And there was a part where she speaks around like sort of having a a little bit of shame as to not as to not claiming it earlier and I could really see her like really working to make sense of everything and and a lot of the pieces that um I will I mean I think everyone should watch the film so you'll totally watch it and get what I'm saying but I watched that twice to really let that sink in because I felt like that was a really beautiful moment where you know you were capturing someone in their process of really like really figuring out what it meant to be mixed and still being a little unsure and getting the sense of what am I trying to say here? But I think as I went through it a bit too, from my experience, and I related to her in that moment where it was like, I sort of rejected my Asian-ness for so long that I almost like wanted to remove myself from it so that I could just be more white. And then when I was able to embrace being mixed, I was like, oh, everything's great. I'm mixed. People think mixed people are good looking and great. And now I can just like kind of coast with this. And then when I've actually sat down and did more work around like the history of mixed heritage and how it's challenging and it's hard and it's mysterious and unclear. And it's, there's a lot of like violence and discrimination. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that like, I feel like people don't know and appreciate. And and I don't really, I still don't know and appreciate. And I I have to like, kind of sit with that a little bit. 
and then also sit with the fact that I come with so much privilege. And so I feel like I'm going well, it's on. It's a constantly balance. Yeah. It's such a balancing act day. And in yeah. some way, I hear you when you say, you know, acknowledging mm-hmm. the privilege, because, you know, I do, I walk through the world and I'm not, I'm less likely to be racially profiled. But in some ways, to your point before, like, I feel like when you're mixed, it's your internal job to stand up for your more oppressed side. Yeah. As a mixed person, it's like, yeah, like it's for our more oppressed side. Yeah. Wow. That, that we have to not be the savior or the ones with all the answers, but it's to go, you know, when you're in a space and someone says something racist, you go, hey, yeah. yo, bitch, you can't fucking say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to tolerate that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are sort of disarmed if you if we're racially ambiguous in a space. Right. People are, can be more comfortable and they have been. And I'm sure obviously in your life and in my life as well, where people are a little free with their words, not realizing that like we're the person beside them is coming from a racialized experience or has a connection to a racialized group and have something to say about it. Right. And, and white people do actually, yeah. I've noticed it <laughs> because the black community has been so welcoming to me. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that like whites will claim me when it's convenient. Whereas black people just, okay, you're like, you're, your family immediately. So it's been, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I know you were going to say something else, but it's been an interesting process and on certain occasions where I can see, you know, I'm in a situation and someone will say something thinking, it's okay to say it to me because I'm more palatable. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't really like that person. I'm like, oh, are you afraid of them? Because they're black? Listen to what you're saying. That's racist. Like I have so many stories. Yeah, I know. I have to like. I feel like this. We could have a whole other interview just about stuff people have said, but we have to go back to the film. So I'm going to go back to the film. So there is a beautiful quote uh, with so many beautiful quotes, but uh, you said, my paleness and whiteness should not negate my blackness, nor can my blackness erase my whiteness. And then you speak to being mixed and, you know, can you speak to a white experience or a black experience and who has jurisdiction over these stories? And a question for you, you know, as a creator and as someone who is using your voice and a platform in such a powerful way, you know, you've spoken to a bit earlier, but like, where do you feel like mixed people fit into storytelling and advocacy? Mm, That's a good question. Mm -hmm. I feel like this old adage of like, write what you know, do what you know is become like a little bit of an open threat, Mm. which nowadays translates to stay in your own lane. And I go, okay, if I'm in two lanes yes, or three lanes or four lanes, you know, how do I navigate that discourse of not appropriating people's stories, but, you know, really, and Zadie Smith, I will say, has been such an influence on my creative journey, you know, being able to even come this close to contacting her on Mixed Up. She talks about this quite recently in her Presumptions on Fiction, where she says, as a writer, she's made a career on writing stories outside of her own experience. Mm -hmm. And I think as a creator, I don't want to feel restricted to only writing mixed black stories. I just, or mixed queer stories. I just go, no, like I want to, part of art is reaching outside of your own experience. It's translating across difference. And, um, but I think this is my very long winded way of answering your question, but I think you have to sort of put the stepping stones in place to do that conscientiously. 
Yeah. You know, so I'm doing it. I'm actually working on a project coming up that's about like plurilingual intercultural experiences. I'm working with a cultural dramaturg on that. That is specific to that culture. Not many people know that my auntie, Mahini Patel, is, you know, born in Kenya, raised in India. It's just, you know, yes, it's by marriage, but I want to speak to a South Asian experience. So I'm working with a writer that's South Asian. So it's this constant balance of not appropriating a story, but also not wanting to feel restricted in these Mm -hmm. rules that I can only write my own experience, which I think when we get through these next decade, we'll see a bit of a balancing act because really the problem has been white people appropriating other stories. And, you know, I don't know many cases of racialized people taking on other stories apart from maybe, you know, Funny Boy, Deepa Mehta's new film that's actually in the running for the Oscars this year. Because she's speaking to a Sri Lankan experience and she's not from that culture. And there's been a lot of controversy around that. But it's about putting the right people in that process, you know. Awesome. The film, you mentioned you were working with a cultural dramaturg. 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 You you also worked with one in Mixed Up as well. Am I, I did, yeah. I, yeah, and so I'd love for you to speak to that. And and also just, you know, was something that I was kind of alluding to in my monologue at the top of this interview about how awesome your film is and how incredibly diverse is just how many mediums you used. Animation, there was like performance art, body painting, I think time-lapse. I'm not an artist, so I'm like, I think this is what happened. It was beautiful and like very eye-catching and effective. And then you also like used cool things like clips from social media and, you know, movie clips from like old movies, which was very interesting for me to see. Oh my um, God. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, yeah. And so I'm sure we can kind of explore all those things, but yeah. What was like the process like finding all of these clips, choosing them and coming up with just how to incorporate them into the story? If mm. that's even a question that can be answered. because <laughs> Well, it can, it's just a very long process, right? Cause yeah. you have like from the writing process, which took two years beforehand, to I got back from the UK right before the lockdowns, actually, March the 12th, I got back. And so from then to July, I was basically building and storyboarding everything to sort of fit into this continuous narration. It's really, I'm speaking almost the entire time. Yeah. And I wanted to sort of do a different process that I know film doesn't usually do, which is working with a cultural dramaturg and story editing, you know, which is a part of film, but it felt so necessary for this process to, you know, make sure that things were being created in a mindful and respectful way. But as you were saying, with the narration and the spoken word and the animation and stuff, really the center of all of that was the home footage. I felt like that was like the center of it to then bridge outward from there. And Diane Roberts, who was the dramaturg on this, you know, that's a relatively new title in film. It's mostly seen in theater. Yeah. But can you actually just explain just again for the audience, if it's not totally clear, what is the role of the dramaturg? Yeah, it's interesting in theater, dramaturg versus turge. Usually, you know, a dramaturg is someone that is very closely, has a relationship with the script. Yeah. And the editing of that script. But, um, you know, dramaturgy is the, the process of creating art. 
Mm. You know, one could argue that, you know, an editor is a dramaturg because they're building story, uh, scenery is dramaturgy, cinematography is dramaturgy. And um, really, I wanted Diane to sort of look at the world of this piece through a diverse eye. Yeah. Because I say some things that I didn't want to be, some things are going to be provocative, but I didn't want to offend anyone. Yeah. And so it, it was important for me that she watched that and sort of track that narrative, mm-hmm. you know, because even the whole history around, you know, those that were mixed on the plantation, yeah. you know, were, it was a product of rape. Mm-hmm. Which is can be an awful generalization, but for the most part, it's true. That's why it's called the master bedroom, because the master had a door to the slave compartment and he would bring the women up and he would have his way with them. And then, you know, there was a mixed child that... Wow. Like it's so it's such a complicated history, but it's interesting when you see like my dad is black and my mom is white. Like that is a different narrative entirely. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I wanted to stress in the creation of this story was mine is not the penultimate mixed experience. It's just yeah. one of many that we don't see enough of in the history books. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification on what the role is, but also getting a sense that when you were creating the film, you were making sure that all of the pieces of the story and the way things were edited and portrayed was done with real consciousness and mindfulness. Because I really got that. I really felt like you were going into very deep and controversial and uncomfortable topics, but doing so in a way that was accessible and using different creative ways to highlight those things. And I really appreciate that. And just to speak to what you just said, too, around, you know, the history of mixedness. It's not there isn't a lot of it in our like written history books or written knowledge. You know, one of the quotes that you said that I really appreciated was we are the product of brave individuals who broke barriers to be with one another. And then while also following that to speaking to you around racial mixing was also a product of rape in the time of slavery. And I I just wanted to applaud you for having those hard conversations that people, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to hear. And, you know, I also wanted to know why was it important for you to include that history in your film or like lack thereof? Yeah, because I feel like that's something that sometimes people might shy away from, but you went there and I wanted to know why, why was it important that you included that? I guess the simplest answer to that is it's always sort of been a footnote mm. in the book, you know, go here and there's a little explanation about it. And I'm like, no, I want to take the peripheral knowledge and put it centrally, you know, like, because it ne- we never get to, that never happens usually. It's always the victor that writes the history. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something that I reflected on as well is like, how much are we missing from what's actually happened? And I know um, you did mention this in the film too, like sort of briefly around, and you mentioned it at the beginning of this interview as well, of the Indigenous community and the history of, of Indigenous people in Canada. And I thought that was really important. And I appreciated that you brought that reflection into the film as well, that that's something that you're exploring, because it's also something that I feel as a, a mixed person of color, that 
that's how I identify the end as someone who is proudly Canadian. I feel like it's so important to be really trying to understand what actually happened in our history and in our country because they did not teach any I think about the residential schools in no oh my god no yeah and I've had the great privilege of interviewing all the guests in the podcast but this season uh Teresa Cutknife and Ari Evans who are both mixed indigenous artists and creators and yeah just something that's important to me and I just yeah I appreciate that you touched on a lot of things that are profoundly undiscussed <laughs> in a way that was accessible so yeah just really celebrating you Oh, thank you. It's a delicate process, right? Because, you know, the permission to speak on those topics, even like I recognize in the work I've been able to do so far, I've been invited to work on Indigenous stories, but I would never actively like try and tell an Indigenous story myself. So it's that act, right? It's that balancing act of going, oh, you're inviting me in. Okay, then I'm with you like 100% to mine these difficult topics and Tanji Cardinal, who's in the film. Mm. I had the honor to work with her and go actually back to her reservation just above, it's like Fort McMurray area in Edmonton. And it's been so, she's told me so much about just existing. life like she's like oh my god she's like the grandmother i mother sister i like never had yeah it was really lovely to see the different perspectives of the other mixed folks in your film and um i know there were some was it allison wong I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's also a mixed Asian person in the film. And I know I, a lot of the things that uh, that she said, I really connected with. And I, I just wanted to know too, how did you select the people that were in your film to share their perspective? Because everyone had such profound and incredible, important things to say. Where'd you find them? Um, I guess part of it was my desire to sort of have my biological family and found family that I've accumulated along the way. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, nor Normally, if the pandemic hadn't been here, I would have filmed everyone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was sort of like going to my peeps and doing a call out and saying, who wants to be involved? And they were the people that stuck. And it just felt the whole process just felt so organic mm-hmm. in that way that even that whole ending of where I see, we basically see the spoken word. Yeah, I love that. narrative of everyone's experience of the gifts of being mixed. And I remember building that sequence going Oh, I sort of, rather than seeing everyone's answer, you know, one after the other, I loved seeing this patchwork of everyone because it felt like this stream of consciousness that any one of us might share. Yeah. You know, like you, Gina, have probably felt the same way, as you said, that Allison had. Yeah. And so... No, it's totally fine. You know what I was just going to say? It Mm. felt like that manifesto, like that at the end with the spoken word that like just put pulled everything together and... It was, yeah, something that I feel like so many people can relate to no matter what their mix is at Mm. the end of the film. Just that beautiful mosaic of people's experiences that are different and similar. Yeah. And like today, I feel like really good about it, you know, and tomorrow I might feel shitty because someone might say something, you know, it's this. That's why I say some people might think it's a futile experience or existence. And you sort of go, no, it's not. It's an amazing experience. But you can have one comment that puts you in this existential crisis (laughs) you know like oh gina you're not really filipino oh yeah 
I don't mean that, obviously. Yeah. Oh, I've like, heard it so many. I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, I've heard it so many times. Yeah. It gets like just a part of the experience now. You know, if someone were to say that, it can throw you for days. And I guess what I wanted to say was, you know, in that mixed up manifesto that, you know, really, you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Like you need a bit of goodness in this life and a little bit of hardship to get through. Oh, which brings me to like all these quotes that I love. Okay, I have some quotes and then there's some question I want to ask you around belonging. So some of my favorite quotes from the film was, you cannot have the gifts without the struggles, cannot have the lightness without the shadows. And being mixed is the link to the past and a bridge to the future. Another one from earlier part of the film was where you said, those who are mixed with something and are part of two worlds, but belong to neither. I hope that I got that right. And just speaking to that sense of wanting to belong. And I think when I reflect on why I've been a part of things like Mix in the Six and Mixed Students Association was to create a sense of belonging with people, whether we all were the same mix or not, or spoke the same language, just a sense of connection. And I'm curious just to hear like around, you know, do you sort of hope that your film will be a part of creating a sense of belonging or like a community Mm. amongst us mixies and beyond? I think so. Yeah, just because in some ways, like I've done a few in the pandemic, in Zoom even, I've done these all mixed groups and the kinship I feel like, oh, is this really about, you know, cultivating a group of us all being mixed is really, you know, at the center of it all. Like we're all human. Yeah. Like there is no difference in race, but it's, I don't even know who created those divisions. Divisions. <laughs> it's, it would be an interesting history lesson to go back and see how categorization was done but i don't even know if i'm answering your question sense of belonging (laughs) oh belonging right 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 again it's this sort of push pull of you know wanting to be an anomaly and go out on your own and then sometimes you're like no but i want to be with people you know yeah and i think that's just for me that's an ongoing battle internally of going no i want to be an anomaly but i also i need my people and i have you now in that circle friends (laughs) (laughs) we haven't met in person because you know COVID by spiritual hug yeah yeah um, you know and, and sort of speaking of community a conversation uh, and reflections that I've heard a lot from folks in the mixed in the six community and and also just you know my own experience as well is you know a lot of mixed folks feel that you know we're different or we're not enough perhaps at some point in our lives you know and we saw that in the cast and their reflections in the film as well I got a sense from you in the film Howie and let me know how this lands is that I got a sense that you've always embraced your difference. And I remember this quote really got me where you said, I always thought it was my desire to be an anomaly just because you had just said it. And, you know, I, I just wanted to hear from you. Was there like, was that something that was like just always innate in you and feeling like you embraced being different and, and you know, in with your experience of enoughness that that also morph and change as you have grown into the person that you are today? Mm, this is a good question. I agree with you. Like in a way, I've always sort of struck up out in my own lane <laughs> yes. but it's it's this part of belonging that really for me was an, a new idea in this film which is as I've grown and settled a little bit I do want to find the places where I you know can find my roots find my people find my circle and um yeah it's been at least today that's how I feel like that might well change tomorrow but I think this sense of belonging is such an innate part of us we want to feel like my dogs bad example 
people, but <laughs> dogs are pack animals. We are innately pack creatures. Yeah. So I think it's um, all that to be said, it's belonging. It's not a bad. Mm -hmm. And before this process, I had felt like belonging and settling were like not things you should do. You know, like we even in our culture, this might be a bit of a sidetrack, but you see I've seen endless articles about, you know, the culture of Bumble and swiping left and right. Like people are afraid of commitment, of choosing. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, actually. Choosing a community or choosing an identity? Yeah. And all of those things, an identity, a partner, a, you know, a job, like it's just today. Yeah. Actually, one more thing I wanted to ask before we sort of kind of wrap up and talk about sort of next steps with your film is that your partner, Peter, was a big part of the film. I wanted to just ask, like, what was that like creating this work with, you know, the person? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's been the biggest cheerleader of my work. And I couldn't have done this without him, you know, because he has a worked in film before but he has such an eye for storytelling you know he, he ran the national arts center he's been a director of stage and mm -hmm. opera and he i think of anyone knew exactly what i was striving for and so you know i'd be up endless hours of the night and go honey can you come watch this at three in the morning and he's like oh i get it like he was always cheerleading that on so i do it again and again working with him Amazing. And, and you know he's just in terms of what we've navigated as a couple being intergenerational what i was saying before is you know we sort of chose we didn't choose a conventional way of living together you know there's like choice a choice b we chose door c <laughs> and so there's no roadmap for us of how we navigate our lives together which is beautiful because mm -hmm. he's and, and eight years older than you yeah 20 28 years older than me and i'll tell you they're cliches for a reason like age is so it's like it's really not a thing until outside forces make it a thing like people may not take me as seriously because they go what do you know you're young mm -hmm. but then i know that he also goes through things as well and we navigate that together hearts <laughs> well, you're so wise beyond your years. And yeah, I talk a lot. Sorry. <laughs> well, I love your words. So. Oh. Yeah. And another quote from the film that I really appreciated and I think sort of makes me think about sort of moving forward and what can we do together as a collective to make things better for ourselves and future generations. You said, reconcile and acknowledge the truth and move in a direction. The difficulty is in choosing which way. For myself, I choose forward. So many poetic things from the film too, from the narration. And so, you know, I wondered, you know, what do you feel, you know, moving forward looks like for mixed folks and us as a collective? Mm, just in terms of how we move forward as a community. I know this might sound really too simple, but I just think kindness goes such a long way. It really does. Like, and, and I've found lately in this pandemic that when I feel down on myself or like bad about what's going on, I have brain is so powerful that I've been able to actively change my mind to feel positive. And I go, oh, wow. I think kindness and positivity, like obviously if you feel bad, like feel that, but our emotions, like, cannot rule us. Yeah. And I haven't mastered it by any means, but I've been in situations where I'm livid or really upset and I go, actually, I can diff that yeah. if I really put my mind to it. So yeah, that's like the simplest answer. Kindness to oneself and kindness to others. Yeah. You're powerful. I mean, kindness is such a powerful healing force. 
When I think about mixedness and racism, oh, I'm supposed to end this interview, but I wanted to mention, I know in the film, you mentioned how someone was like, how does it feel to be the end of racism? And I'm like, okay, let's cool our jets here. Let's first be kind to each other. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. start with that. But just back to the piece around kindness, you know, I feel like if I learned how to be more kind to myself earlier, especially around accepting myself and not seeing myself through the lens of what, you know, what other people were seeing me, especially the bullies and the mean people growing up. I always thought of myself as someone who was great and awesome and beautiful until the world thought that was different or told me that it was different. So just kind of bringing it back to sort of my own mixed experiences that just being kind to oneself is so important and being kind to one another and understanding and seeking to understand each other's experiences, I think is something I hope will change the world. And I think it's a part of making changes and a part of, forgive me for saying it, like ending racism. If we're ever going to end racism, we're going to need to sit down and and listen and hear these stories and watch the film mixed up. That's a good start. (laughs) Please. (laughs) I mean, like just watch it because it's amazing. And, and also just to seek to understand other people's experiences and, and to show each other kindness. Yeah. Mm. There you go. We figured it out. Yeah. (laughs) You've mentioned something really interesting though. I hope I can speak to this a little bit. I do know that there's been this phenomenon in the pandemic. Some people have returned to their childhood homes, to their, you know, their lives pre-pandemic and, and it's brought up a lot of trauma for some. I've just been reading some articles about this and, and I feel, in some ways because I did a very big process of looking back at myself a lot in those younger days in this process and realized that I think I've maintained a lot of my childhood mentality growing up. Like I still feel like a child every day of my life and I've kept, I don't want that younger Howie to go. I want to keep that with me and I would say, you know, I don't know if it's the answer of moving forward, but we want to keep our inner child alive. Yeah. I love that you brought up inner child because that taking a look at what our inner child wounding or the little, the conditioning that we're carrying forward from our younger years, you know, that often informs how we see ourselves, how we see the world, how we behave. And it can be disruptive and can be destructive, especially if we're not conscious and aware and we're not looking back at our childhood pieces and then taking care of our inner child. And so interesting. Thank you for bringing that this up because in watching your film too, it was, I can imagine an I would love to hear your perspective on this is in some ways it could have been healing to go back and see that yeah, yeah. part, like little Howie and like literally you're seeing like your adorable face <laughs> from when you were like a little child. I know. I'm like, what yeah. happened? Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> like where was there like healing glean from doing the film and were you able to find oh. that self kindness? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like I say, it's it's sort of, it's not as simple as, oh, I'm healed now. It's all done. <laughs> I'm woke. Great. Check. See you later. <laughs> it's not like that at all. It's yeah. But I feel this cathartic just release. And part of that was, it is amplified in the film with a lot of the imagery where I sort of, you know, at the end of, I, I'm sort of, I don't want to give too much of it away. Yeah. Watch the film, people. But, you know, at the beginning, I'm sort of encrusted in my whiteness. Yeah. 
And then I get to sort of shed that at the end and be, I just get to be. Yeah. And, and in a way that exercise of doing just a simple performance art, you could call it. It's really helpful to do that. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like a reclamation or like a, a real like anchor into sending a message to yourself into the world. And it was really beautiful to witness. And like oh, you said, you. you got to watch the film. Hopefully I haven't given away too many of all of my favorite quotes. I assure you there is like, oh my goodness, there's so much goodness in there. It's really an incredible film. And I would love for you to tell the audience how people can watch it and how they can yeah. see the film. Yeah. So all the information's at the website, www.mixedup.ca. And um, it's available in Canada now on Out TV, Apple TV, and Amazon Prime. And then will be available. It's sort of coming up in the new year. There's some exciting news coming up. It will be available in the UK in the spring, in Australia, good day, mate, and um, New Zealand, India, Ireland, and there's, you know, film festivals coming up. And I sort of think I want to use the social media as a way of, you know, connecting with our community. And speaking of kindness, like I, if that, I wouldn't have met you, Gina, because you're so kind. If we hadn't been vibing in a way. We'd be totally vibing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I feel like, yeah, it's going to be an exciting year for 21 to see, you know, how we might shift using social media and different ways of connecting even like social media can get a bit tiring. <laughs> well, we're here for it. I'm so, um, again, yeah, just honored to be able to interview you and, you know, my fellow Canadian Ontario, like mixed fam, I'm just, I'm proud of you. I'm just have excited for the film and for the year to come and any way that we can support the film, we will be right there. Yeah. I have my last question. What would you, Howie, tell your younger self now? Black up. Just kidding. <laughs> Back up. What would I tell my younger self? Don't change anything. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be able to speak to myself if I changed anything. <laughs> right? Does that make any sense? Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. How can people follow you? So I'm on, my website is howie.ca, H-A-U-I.ca. And I'm Howie Davis on all social media. Awesome. And that's H-A-U-I Davis. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was such a joy talking to you. And again, thank you for creating this beautiful film. And I hope that we can, we'll definitely be connected for Evs, uh, but hopefully we'll be able to do another interview, something else, collab in the future boom boom yes i'd love that yeah love thank you gina you're welcome <laughs> Our is thank you for tuning in to this episode of the mix in the six podcast hope you enjoyed it and if you do do not forget to subscribe comment and share the love to keep bringing more stories insights and cool perspectives from the mixed community and if you or someone you know is a fellow Mixie and want to share your unique story and are up to awesome stuff, we want to hear from you for a potential feature. Look below in the show notes for more info. Much love to you and see you soon. Yeah.